This is the Royal Elephant Podcast for the 4th of August, and here is my physical and yet still virtual co-host, Yon. Physical yet... What did I miss? I feel like there's well, something there, but... Well, you're, you're, you're definitely a physical person, unfortunately. You are definitely... You, you, are, you are manifest physical form, but here, to me, you are virtual. See? See what it did there? Uh, I thought you had doing a reference to the virtual KubeCon event we're going to be covering in this episode, but no, totally nothing to do yet, with that at sorry. all. It's just uh, coincidence. My virtual AI isn't up to scratch as usual. <laughs> You're right. I I was making a terrible pun about the fact that we are talking about KubeCon Europe, um, like many conferences, events, and other things around the world. Uh, it has gone fully virtual. This has been. Uh, this is no news, or no should be no surprise to anybody that's been following this in the slightly. Um, even just a couple of days ago, as we were recording this, uh, even Amazon announced that their reinvent, um, in which is you know, traditionally held in Las Vegas in November, is also now going to be a virtual event. They have. Uh, I think they've been relatively late to announcing that, in my personal view. But um, anyway, they have made that decision now. And uh, yes, this, like that, is uh, going to be a virtual event. And as we have done before, we're going to cover it. Although Jan made a very good point as we were preparing for this, that because it's now a, a, a fully virtual event, you can actually choose to sort of go and watch you know, as many of the things as you could. You could always do that with the physical event. Obviously, the sessions were all recorded, but this is sort of even more so. I think there's going to be even more effort putting into making sure that the content is up there and available sort of as as soon as the, the sessions uh, go live. So you'll be able to binge watch your, uh, your KubeCon experience right from the get-go. Yeah, I think the timing thing is the most important one there, because as you say, in the older uh, events, uh, the, the Datorock summits and stuff we covered, there was always well the chance to to look at sessions after the fact, but it usually took up to a couple of weeks, even sometimes a couple of months before they came available. And call it hype, call it if you want, there is a kind of excitement happening around an event, and the further away you go from the event date, uh, yeah, it becomes less important, less... I don't know, interesting to look. I mean, they're still interesting. I mean, even today, those older sessions, a lot of this stuff is evergreen, right? A lot of stuff mm. isn't evergreen either. But if it's close to it, and as you say, if they're going to do this live anyway, it makes no sense to have a editing step in between, just record them, put them on there, because it was live anyway. So whatever happened that wasn't supposed to happen has happened at that point. So a little yeah. luck, they should be uh, up and running at the same time. And I'm kind of hoping they're actually going to be at the same day already, or maybe even next day. Because we're going to be talking about that in a second, but the way this yeah. is set up, it kind of frees up my mornings to watch stuff I couldn't watch the day before. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the sessions are actually, that they are all pre-recorded. Like, everybody is submitting their recorded sessions uh, in. As, as we speak right now, people are uploading their sessions. And I know that because a couple of my... Uh, Friends and colleagues are submitting uh, submitting their talks right now. So it's you know, by the time the event goes live, all the content should be there. Um, and uh, yeah, it will be it'll be interesting to see people sort of being able to consume the content so quickly. I wonder 
I wonder what sort of impact we'll see on sort of the viewing numbers from that sort of experience. Because there's also a second thing that this, in my mind at least, gets around, which is that there are always the odd session that never arrives at the um, the recorded sort of or, or the you know watch again later sort of mm. material. Usually, it's uh, it's it's stuff that the, the PR folks decide to take down or. You know, maybe someone didn't get full approval to talk about the the depth of whatever it is they're talking about, but um, you know, there, there shouldn't be any chance of that sort of thing happening uh, with this. So uh, it's it's pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the acting skills are of the of the hosts and the people that are tying the things together. Because uh, I've been watching a couple. I mean, all of these events, as you said, have become virtual. I've been watching a couple there. And sometimes it's, I mean, reading from a piece of paper, I guess we did that too when we started with this whole podcast thing, but at least people couldn't see us. <laughs> so it was less yeah. obvious, I guess. But so it's been a comedic from time to time, let's call it that. Uh, so the, the other interesting thing is I'm, I'm really curious to see how many people make a real effort to have their session feel different to the the current day experience i mean many people in this in this ecosystem in this environment are spending hour after hour after hour on a variety of different you know zoom google meet you know webex you know your your conferencing platform video conferencing platform of choice and you know the the term zoom fatigue gets thrown around quite a bit but it, it's there is something in that that if you have a virtual conference and if you can't make that feel distinctly different to the sort of the daily experience of someone just you know plowing through a bunch of zoom calls in their calendar it might actually mean that people are less inclined to consume this sort of content so i'm really really curious to see how some of the presenters um, go about this how they make these feel unique or different or you know just more impactful than uh, um, you know, the content alone can do some things but mm -hmm. i really think that people need to make a, a real strong effort to make sure that this doesn't feel like you know just another zoom call that you dropped into and you know in the middle of your day yeah i mean content should be the, the primor primary thing i mean without the content you don't have to talk so that should always be there but is it now a question on the personal person's creativity or what his or her organization is making available for him or her? Because with, through a Zoom thing, yeah. there are ways of doing picture-in-picture, picture, having animations run, subtitling. There's a lot of stuff you can do to make it, to, to make it more user-friendly. You could even just not have a single person presenting, but have some kind of, um, I don't know, play acting going on. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. On the other end of the spectrum, it doesn't, it shouldn't become a circus either, right? So it's always yeah. going to be a bit hard to find a middle way. Yeah, middle ground. I agree. I agree. I'm just curious. I think this will be an interesting, um, it'll be an interesting event. It'll be, it'll be, uh, yeah, very curious to see how the how the different sessions, um, you know, come across the different approaches from different organisations, different presenters. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. It's going to be really fun. No, maybe before we go dive into the actual prep we're going to be doing and going across the agenda, just mentioning that the Roaring Elephant is, of course, a media partner of the KubeCon event this year. Uh, the European Con event, I should say. And we have a virtual booth 
I've had a lot of fun last week uh, playing around with those magnificent tools they, as you can imagine, put uh, make available to build all that. It's going to be interesting to see how that all looks uh, when the event actually happens. Uh, we, we will be live at our booth, if you want to call it that, from Tuesday to Thursday. So if you want to have a chat, if you want to have a talk with us, uh, feel free to pass by. Uh, there's only two of us, so we won't be boot manning the boot all day long, all the day, uh, all of those days. But uh, just uh, drop by, see if you're there, and if you are, we're happy to chat with our listeners and viewers. Always have to Indeed. remember about the viewers now. It's, it's yes, the YouTubes, all the YouTubes. Hello, the YouTubes, by the way. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's 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 do it. You know, for those that are familiar perhaps with some of our previous sessions the idea here is we just take you know one one pick from each of the time slots um this is our top pick you know the the nice uh way about this being a virtual conference is of course oh dear he of course has more because he can't just can't just restrain himself but i have restrained myself i've just picked one and this is just my my personal top pick um, there are many other slots that are interesting and useful, and uh, you know we we could we could talk a very very long time about this conference, going into detail of all the ones that we're interested in. But uh, in order to make sure that we don't spend just as long as the conference just talking about the agenda, uh, let's get into it. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, maybe so, before that, first? when I made my selection of sessions, I found myself selecting stuff from a, I am new to this whole Kubernetes thing and I need to learn a lot of stuff. Okay. For me, it's a, it's my first KubeCon. I haven't been to KubeCon before. KubeCon okay. Cloud Native Con. From now on, when we say KubeCon, we mean the whole thing. Just yep. to avoid going three days long. Uh, but I found myself putting up, taking a lot of uh, entry level and experience uh, uh, sessions and less of the deep technical deep dive things. So that was a bit of a change for me, to be honest. But uh, we'll see probably how that... Uh, figures when we go through that thing just looking for the right uh, uh, right that page here so yeah uh, I have to this is hard OBS is hard uh, there it is oh. <laughs> there we go so yeah this is the web page all of the kubecon people's schedule you can go through it and select stuff there's a thing called sched which you can make your own private schedule which you can do and I'll have my own schedule linked somewhere in the show notes. If you want to uh, follow me and find out what I'm looking at at the days themselves, you can look at there. Apart from that, Monday. What you got for Monday? Yeah, so you can fast forward all the way to 15.05 when the actual uh, sessions start. And uh, I, I right at the top there, from Minikube to production, uh, never miss a step in getting your K8S. Ugh, I do hate that. It's just Kubernetes, people. Kubernetes, it's not that long a word. Anyway, uh, by uh, Horatio and Kevin at uh, OVH Cloud. And I think this is this is a really nice... I So I you'd picked yours from an intro sort of perspective. I, I, I just picked stuff that I thought was interesting and some of it is more <laughs> intro some of it is is just stuff that I thought I would I'd really like to watch because I'm curious about it and this I think is this should be a really good session because there's there's such a lot of um, hype about folks just you know deploying stuff to kubernetes but most people don't start out with deploying stuff to kubernetes you know 
it either K3 or Minikube or you know other sort of platforms are pretty common for folks to start off with, especially if they're just you know tinkering around on their laptops or on their small you know home or work labs where they're sort of fiddling around with things. And I'm really interested to see what the folks at OVH Cloud um, have to say about that sort of that sort of experience. I think it could be pretty interesting, and yeah, quite looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, just to hook into your selection here, I'm kind of curious going to be saying there because personally, I don't see Minikube as a good start to Kubernetes because the for me personally, the hardest part of the whole container environment is your networking setup, getting it secure mm. and linked up and auto generate auto repairing and stuff like that. And I've played around with Minikube. I try to. I've actually got a cluster here that doesn't work. It's too far. It's not ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. I, I kind of stopped it, and I'm now. I just uh, removed everything. I have a, a, a six-node cluster now with just bare metal Kubernetes nodes because it was just too mm. far away. I can see for people that are developing for Kubernetes and they don't want to care about the infrastructure layer. Just give me a container running somewhere. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Fair. But for really getting to know Kubernetes, I personally don't endorse yeah. it. Yeah, but I uh, see. I think this to me is it is that that uh, that sort of um, that use case. It's not about learning Kubernetes. It's about mm. deploying your apps. So that's why I think it makes sense. But no, it's a I fair point. Like, if you're looking to yeah, if you're looking to understand Kubernetes, <laughs> start with Minikube. <laughs> start with Kubernetes. <laughs> No, I kind of read the, the title as being how I myself would move from Minikube to production, from a Minikube mm. to dev environment. But yeah, if you read it as you develop it in Minikube and then you have to move it to production, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's my pick. How about you? Uh, for me, I pretty much don't have a pick here because a lot of the Monday stuff is uh, tutorials and training, which are actually extra paid for. But I do want to call out the uh, Lightning talks uh, from mm -hmm. one uh, clock. This is all Amsterdam time, by the way. If you want to change that, you can change it here. But from uh, 1300 onwards, there's a bunch of uh, yeah, lightning talks. It's like 50 minutes, 45 minutes total, I think, which mm -hmm. are bookended by uh, Vicky and Constance, who were on the show uh, yes. a couple of months yeah. ago now. So I yeah. uh, just want to just shout out to that one. And also, same vein, uh, Constance and um, Vicky, they actually mentioned this at, uh, during their interview, the 101 Beginner's Guide to the Conference, which they kind of uh, gave um, a yeah, good endorsement for. If you're new to KubeCon, that was one that they suggested you look at. So I pretty much have that one selected to see uh, to see what that's all about. Uh, it is interesting, though, to see that it's actually Microsoft uh, people that are presenting this, which is uh, mm. a, a, a good surprise. Um, I was surprised, but in a, in a, in a good way. Fair so, enough. yeah, going on to the next. And again, there's a lot of other sessions here. Everybody should pick their own pick, of course. We're just doing what we do best and stop talking about stuff we like. <laughs> yeah. So what do you got for Tuesday? Um, Tuesday? Uh, sorry. I, I've, still got, I've still got Monday. You've still got, you got one uh, on Monday. Uh, no, the next time slot, 16.55. Oh, you didn't talk me that. Okay, 1655. There it is. So 1655, welcome to Cloudland. Again, it's the one right at the top. Um, and it's it's the it's the it's the latest iteration of the sort of uh, the infographic 
that um, gets bounced around quite about quite a bit. Um, this is from uh, Caselyn Fields, now at Google, previously I think at Oracle, and um, if you if you just search uh, Google for "Welcome to Cloudland," you'll uh, you'll be able to find the the image. But it's the image of of every single one of the sort of cloud native applications um, divided up by different um, uh, sort of different categories. Yeah, infrastructure, monitoring, alerting, logging. Um, yeah, if you yeah the the second second one I would say. Uh, yep. Yeah. No, it does have okay. Oracle Identity right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. With the slide share. Yeah, and if you go to, I think it's slide. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, keep, there we go. <laughs> oh, that doesn't work. So. Uh, <laughs> Do you remember? Do you remember this? This this yeah, glorious, glorious image. Um, so yeah, this is this is the uh, the sort of the same sort of thing, but the CNCF landscape. And you know, I'm a sucker for visualizations. You know, I'm a sucker for all things that try and cram uh, a hideous amount of information into a single infographic. And I'm really, really interested to to hear from from Caitlin and yeah, how she put this together and. You know, what some of the challenges were and how she decided to filter things, you know, in or out. I, I, I just think these kind of things to me, I, I just love them. And I'm, yeah, plus one on this one. I'm assuming that uh, graphics have been going on for a couple of years because uh, it was very busy already, or is this one of the first I iterations? Don't, I don't know how new it is. I mean, the, I, I, it's not something I've seen before. Okay. So I don't think it's been around for too long. I think it's probably a couple of years old. This, mm -hmm. this I think, was 2019 um, when she was um, presenting it from from sort of the Oracle perspective. Um, I don't know how long it's been around, but as, as I say, first time I've seen it, really interested, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Okay, moving on. Now, now we can go to Tuesday. You're not going to the Container Day 2020 and... Uh... The panel asked me anything about Service I Mesh. I think it's unlikely. Okay. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So Front what's, your, what's your first pick? Uh, well, as I said, I've got a couple of picks. And, um, but you can only talk about one. Oh, come on. I mean, there's one I just want to no. mention because it's called sort of no. the Stateful Serverless no. and the <laughs> Elephant in the Room, and it has elephant in it, so that's why I want to talk about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, the one I think I want to pick is the uh, 34 Truths thingy, uh, this mm -hmm. one. Because it's a, uh, scroll a little bit more. The thing that scares me a little bit is it's Walmart and Oracle. I haven't had mm -hmm. the best experience with um, corporate sponsored sessions. I don't mm -hmm. know KubeCon, so I'm going with an open mind and accepting this as a, yeah, let's see what it is. But it's a 34 truths. It's it's a learn. What did I learn? What went wrong? How does it works? And that for me, as as I mentioned before, already going there as mm. a, as a, this is new to me. I want to learn more. Learning where people made mistakes, how that works, that uh, kind of uh, in, intrigues me. It's also about mm -hmm. specifically about Kubernetes at the edge. And you see in a little abstract here talking about Raspberry Pis and things like that. Mm. Things that I can see as a technical possibility, but I can definitely see a couple of limitations there. I mean, having Kubernetes clusters on uh, Raspberry Pi 
environments. I mean, for IoT, I can see, I mean, a lot of IoT uh, frameworks are built on containers, so you can have your IoT device prepared in a virtual environment somewhere in the cloud, perhaps, and then push it mm -hmm. to that platform there. I'm kind of wondering if Kubernetes is too much of an overhead there. So that's also what kind of drew me to this session. Mm, fair enough. I think we need a new word, though, for, for Kubernetes on Pi, like maybe PyNetis or QPy or something. As long as anyway. you call it P8S, because that really doesn't sound wrong. No. Okay. We'll skip you that. Um, Some other mentions before I lose oh, my mention here. God. Is, uh, he can't, he can't help himself, listeners and viewers. <laughs> Please write into podcast at roaringelephant.com telling Jon that he can only pick one. I don't care. I like uh, this one too. What do you go want? On then. So I was gonna I was gonna pick how this innocent image had a party in my cluster. Uh, cool, from that's Amir my last and Tay from Aqua Security. Um, always a sucker for things that are cybersecurity related. And I think this is a very real sort of concern for a lot of folks where you know the, the 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 world, the land, the security landscape is continuing to evolve, and there's there's not a lot of tooling in this space. Oh well, there's a lot of tooling in this space that is a little bit smoke and mirrors. There's not a lot that is particularly uh, practically applicable uh, based on the sort of research and the digging around that I've done. Um, you know, not not so much recently, but over the you know, previous years. And I'm very, very interested to to see what the uh, the folks at Aqua Security, um, are, you know, are looking to tell us about the you know, different chains of events and indicators of compromise um, that they've seen on um, Kubernetes compromises. I think that there's a, a lot of a lot of stuff to learn here, um, a lot of things that we can learn, you know, from a cluster admin perspective, from a developer perspective, and you know, understanding the the dials and bells and whistles that you can and should tune to make yourself, um, you know, less of a potential victim. And if you do become a victim, how do you reduce that uh, that potential impact? So yeah, it's. I think this could be a really nice little session. Yeah, that was the fourth one on my short list. And the reason I didn't pick that one as one I'm probably going to watch is uh, it's too much uh, focused on the image. Uh, I'm interested in Kubernetes. I want to see how the orchestration layer works. This is basically mm -hmm. if you have an image that's infected with something and that's Docker, which is a step uh, up, down, left, right, whatever you look at it. It's it's <laughs> not Kubernetes. It's it's too rem removed from the core thing I'm looking for here. And mm -hmm. I've also got some, um, how do you call that, uh, post-traumatic stress uh, syndrome from <laughs> my time when I was working as a DevOps and we were doing a, we we're talking like 15 years ago, a public cloud kind of approach where people could spin up images on our infrastructure and we kind of became responsible for whatever they were running. So if they were running a port scanner, Bitcoin miner or whatever, that was on us. So we had this whole idea of, certifying virtual machine images, oh, which is God. total BS, because the moment it gets started, they run a YUM update or whatever, and your certification is out the window. So yeah, I've got very mixed feelings about this, but I, I do agree with you, it's a very, uh, something that's definitely important. Yep. All right, next time slot then, what, what have you got for 1345? Uh, oh, in fact, in fact I, I see mine right there, so I'm gonna jump the yeah, gun and, and override you. So I'm 
so as I said when when we started this, I picked some things that I was just curious about. And for me, the one in pink, Kubernetes, but I'm a product manager. Yeah. I I think that actually could be a really interesting sort of session because Kubernetes as a technology, I think it's there's a clear level of understanding as to what the value of it is. But Kubernetes from a I I don't care about the tech. Tell me, tell mm. me the business value from a from a product manager's um, perspective. I think I think could be a really interesting conversation. Um, it's by someone who's uh, an independent product manager and uh, and uh, someone else from VMware. So I don't I don't know what the what the content might actually look like, but it had me curious. It had me interested. No, I totally agree. This is also my topic for this slot, actually. And mm. I mean, this is all the whole business value thing, right? And the whole idea from going mm. from DevOps to AI ops and data ops and having can we can we coin the term management ops? You heard it here first. Yet more ops. Because <laughs> deploying something like Kubernetes in your organization, it's more than a selection of uh, Red Hat versus Ubuntu or Windows mm. versus Linux or something like that. It's really something that needs to be driven by the business or it's not going to happen and product managers internal or external consumers or producers of the whole thing they need to have an awareness and a way of communicating that awareness to other people in their own realms above and beyond and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah same idea here just the hearing what in the end it's a very dangerous session i think because it could be very bad but it could be very very good oh yeah (laughs) yeah but luckily, um, you're, I mean, and that's the beauty of a virtual conference, right? You can watch the first five minutes, and if you don't like it, you can, like, close that window and fire up another tab, and away you go. Yeah, and that's why my fallback session is... I need to have one. <laughs> <laughs> you only get one. You only get one. You can't, I didn't no get fallbacks. one yet. It was your session. No, no fallback. It was your session. I, I can't uh, go there because we can never go to the same session. That's how it works. <laughs> so I'm going to go for that fallback, which is this one. I'm not going to say too much about it, but having CICD pipelines for Kubernetes kind of is a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it that way, you are pretty much doing it wrong, I have to say. So yep. again, here, Automato software, I don't know them. I don't know the company. But uh, they seem to have a nice abstract here, and that would have been my uh, my fallback. So, But I'd probably be attending the, the security of the... Um, Product manager, manager with you. Fair enough. All right. Next slot then, um, fourteen thirty. And what uh, was for your me, pick? It was an easy here? one. It's a panel. Okay. Um, panels are all always, um, yeah, a bit of a risk as well because it really depends on who's mm. on the panel and how vocal they are or how restrained they are. That being said, if they're good, they're very, very good. So, also, I'm hoping it's going to be a lot of lessons learned and experiences and things like that. Yeah, yeah not much more to talk about, to be honest. Fair enough. Okay, so if you continue to scroll down, and I will let you know when to stop, 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 stop. Um, so, mine is Kubernetes DNS horror stories and how to avoid them uh, yeah. by Laurent from from Datadog. Um, I love this topic. Because there's a like there's a well-known sysadmin mantra that uh, it's not DNS. It can't be DNS. There's no way that it's DNS. 
it was DNS. Like, if there's ever, like, a weird problem, there is a very good... It doesn't matter what the problem was. Like, it doesn't, really doesn't matter. But there's a very good chance that the problem was actually DNS. It's one of those things that is so fundamental to everything, and yet people still end up having weird and wacky cock-ups in it. Yeah, but that's mostly because we're abusing it. I mean, DNS is built as a lookup system, and we're making round-robin uh, load balancers by doing wacky things with <laughs> DNS. I mean, come on. And you're wrong, by the way. It's not always DNS. Usually it's NTP. It's a time server. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but sometimes it's the, the DNS of the NTP service. Anyway, um, yeah, that's that's my pick. I'm uh, really interested in that. I, I love... I, Kubernetes DNS is... Is in itself is a, a giant minefield, so I think this could be really, yeah. really interesting. It's going to get harder session. as well because the whole new yeah. DNS over HTTP. That's uh, mm-hmm. I see why they're trying to do it. I can see a couple of advantages there, but considering that we're still trying to get into DNSSEC and it's been twenty yeah. years now or something, yeah, it's yeah. going to be an interesting one. Yeah. All right. Anyway, seventeen uh, forty-five break. Uh, uh, so I yeah. So then we've got some more keynotes. So we're not going to uh, not going to no, cover keynotes those every day uh, of the conference, and we'll be covering those when we talk about the event after the event. Probably going to be an episode mm-hmm. on that as well. So we're not going to move. We're going to skip over all that right now and move into the next one, which is at seventeen forty-five. Yep. Let's see. So so my first choice is right there. It's how we migrated our monolith to Kubernetes. I'm not going to say KS, and became a high-performing team. That just sounds like a feel-good movie to me. <laughs> um, and uh, so we've got some folks from uh, Camunda slash Learn... Oh, I suppose I have to say KS because it's in the title. And uh, and some folks from, from CloudBees as well, you know, working together. Um, you know, there's, there's some... There's some real life, you know, journey and lesson sort of uh, content here. Um, CICD best practices. Um, there's just lots and lots of really good things here that I always love. Pitfalls to avoid, how to learn from mistakes, and not to make them in the first place. I'm guessing. Um, and it just, I just think this, this is, this could be a really, really good, uh, good session. I think there's uh, still a huge number of organizations and people that are yet to make that monolith to microservices journey. And yeah, love the idea of it. Uh, love the idea of the content. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I got the same pick for this one. And the yeah, you said, you said all the good stuff about it, so I'm going to give you a couple of my worries around it. Sounds like a very mm-hmm. technical one. Well, this could also very well be a very business-oriented uh, one, just how mm-hmm. to make the decision, the, uh, weighing the pros and cons. Uh, but looking at uh, abstract uh, Jenkins, SEB, Kubernetes Helm, it sounds like... Yeah, like refactoring track, monoliths. Yeah. Like, yeah, it feels more so technical. Uh, and yeah, I'm also wondering if they're going to go from the premise that it's always a good idea to move, because that's not always the case. Sometimes a monolith makes sense. Mm. So I'm wondering if that's going to be part yeah. of it too. Don't know. Don't know. Next time slot. There we go. 18.30. Uh, and again, mine is right at the top here. Um, so I'm going to go first. I'm just lazy. It, well, what can I say? Like the, <laughs> the best slots right there. Um, 
using Kubernetes to make cellular data plans cheaper for 50 million users. Um, and this is uh, from uh, some folks at Marantis and Facebook Connectivity. The, the sort of, I know a few people um, that work on the Facebook um, Connectivity project. And it is, like, I, I'm personally not a Facebooker or whatever the term is for people that use Facebook. Phoebe, I don't know. Anyway, um, I'm not one of those, but the project that they have going on, uh, Facebook Connectivity, I, th I do think is genuinely interesting. Like, you can say what you like about Facebook. But the Facebook Connectivity project is really, really cool. And if, if it sounds like something that you might be interested in, I would thoroughly recommend you have a little poke around on the internet and look it look it up, but this is talking about the um, you know some of the underlying infrastructure that you know allows this to um, allows this to actually yeah come to come to life, and yeah just one of those one of those things that's just a bit of a nexus for me. Uh, it's also got you know a bit of telco related stuff that I also you know can't get away from. Yeah, I was going to say, probably the talk is the one that convinced you. <laughs> uh, how about you? I had one with a great uh, title. Five great ways to lose data. <laughs> See, now, I, I nearly picked this one. So I'll let you talk about it first, and then... I'm not going to talk about much. It's just the title kind of hooked mm -hmm. me in to start with. I like the creativity, and again, it's a lessons learned kind of thing. And mm -hmm. they're also talking about stateful apps here. And stateful apps, uh, at the beginning, Kubernetes didn't do anything with stateful apps. It had to be loosely yep. connected, uh, almost serverless function. That was the way you thought about it. More and more stateless apps are landing on these things. They've now got the uh, stateful sets and persistent storage and Kubernetes through the operator system. It becomes more of a thing. So, yeah, I just think it's interesting. Yeah. So I, I nearly picked this one. And it was for me, it was very, very close. I ended up not because I worried, and this is potentially very daft, but I worried that the title was just a little bit too clickbaity, <laughs> and it and it made me think, oh, uh, w would I regret if if I could only pick one? Would I regret this being the one that I watched? But I, I agree that the if it delivers on the clickbaity title, I agree that I think it would be a very very interesting slot. Yeah, and of course, because it's a virtual, I've got to draw fallback if that one does become too complicated. No, but you can't talk about fallbacks. I'm not talking, I'm just showing. <laughs> I was clicking on the improving the performance of the Kubernetes clusters for the people that aren't oh, looking at uh, YouTube. And that's the end Terrible. of the second day, or the first real day of uh, sessions, let's say. Uh, yeah. Any overarching thoughts about the first day? Looking good? No, let's, let's, let's wrap things up at the end with, uh, with our overarching thoughts. Um, but we can stop right there because Wednesday, how AB and AMRO switch cloud providers without anyone noticing. Um, stop stealing so Mike my from Back to the lab, and Laura from AB and AMRO. This this is really this could be and hopefully will be a really really cool talk. Like we've been talking about um, cloud native and. Um, you know, being cloud agnostic mm -hmm. and Kubernetes being one of the the great levelers across all of the major cloud providers, they all have a Kubernetes offering now. And yeah, okay, there are some subtle kind of differences and variances between them. 
but mm. by and large, it should make the ability to swap between cloud providers far, far simpler. And it looks like this is the, uh, you know, it, it's certainly the first really significant story that I've seen about folks really doing this. I mean, an enterprise with 3,000 developers switching cloud providers, this I think could be something really, really cool. And I'm, yeah, really looking forward to it. Yeah, I had the same pick. Um, my own, again, you do the positive, I'll do the negative, good cop, bad cop. <laughs> uh, my worry here is that it's going to be a good news show because it's a huge organization, it's a financial organization. They won't be talking about stuff that didn't work. And you're not mm. going to tell me that everything there went smoothly from start to finish without any kind of hiccups. Uh, people will have noticed. I mean, there's no way you can, can change this without anybody noticing anything. Something must have gone wrong somewhere, but I don't think they will be touching on those at all. If, yeah, no, I don't, that's the thing I would be, I think I would be missing. Well, I, I hope, I hope it's a rounded view. I really do. Cause I think that's the value in it for a lot of people. But just, just before you go off that particular one, can you, can you hover back over it? Um, and oh, you can't you can't quite see it, but never mind. So just one one point here: um, the speaker for ABN Amro, Lara, is two times Dutch boxing champion, as well as product owner for the Strauss platform, with responsibility for the delivery and operation of the cloud native platform within ABN Amro. Like, how cool is that? Props to Laura. Awesome. Hope your talk goes well. Looking forward to it. So you just got scared into attending. Okay, fair. Yes, very much so. Now, since you're going to go for that one, I'm going to go for my fallback, which is the auto-scaling yeah. one. Uh, yeah, if you, if you stop stealing my sessions, I won't no, have to take no my second back. picks, uh, which is this one, auto-scaling applications Kubernetes. Uh, auto-scaling is something, it's like a bit of a holy grail. Uh, auto-scaling is supposed to solve mm -hmm. all your problems, no need for sizing anymore. Uh, that's not how it works, by the way. Uh, I don't think I'll learn much new here. That's why I picked the ABN one before this one. But yeah, again, if you're going that one, we're going to go to this one. Because on the one hand, I don't expect to learn anything new. It's going to be the same kind of scheduling or based on CPU usage and things like that, maybe latencies. And just as always, uh, I'm not a fan of auto-scaling, to be honest, because basically any automated scaling, in my opinion, does the wrong thing. It scales up very quickly because that's what the vendor of choice is preferring you to do. Scaling down is a lot harder to do. And having things happen automatically is a bit of a recipe for disaster. I don't think, and whether this is Kubernetes or cloud or whatever, we're not at the point yet, except for a couple of very specific uh, uh, use cases, to have um, a system be able to make intelligent choices when it should or shouldn't um, scale your system. And the very few uh, use cases I think it works is when you're really going massive loads. Uh, we're gonna be talking about CERN in a minute, because I've got one of the sessions coming up, <coughs> excuse me. But one of the grid things, they're massive, and we're not scaling up one or two nodes, not just scaling up another thousand or another five hundred. And then it starts making sense because the the, the 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 rounding numbers, who cares if it's two or ten or too many or ten too little, who cares? But if you're looking at more realistic everyday clusters of having maybe a couple of hundred nodes in total, scaling up to double that size is a huge cost increase. You shouldn't mm -hmm. automate that, that could cripple you financially. Scaling down again, also annoying. And going back to the, f the previous session, the moment these things become stateless, it's not that easy. It's become stateful, no longer are stateless. Mm. Sorry. It's no longer that easy because at this point, scaling up, okay, that's still feasible, but you start re-sharding, re re-redistributing, re-copying your data to make your cluster in, in, in balance again. 
going down. You need you need to flush things. This was valid already in the Hadoop days. Mm-hmm. So the whole overscaling thing, I know what people wanted, and in a perfect world, it would be perfect. This world isn't perfect yet. Right. And that's one I see if. Uh, so I think I think you are missing something that is very significant here, and that is clearly that once you wave the magic machine learning AI ops ML wand, like auto scaling just works. So look, look, I'm waving the wand. There we go. You can't see the wand, but that's because it's it's so machine learning. There we go. All well, fixed. this magic wand has a name actually. It's Fire or CFO. If you don't have a bookkeeper <laughs> anymore, you can do it if you want. <laughs> All right, moving on, moving on. So 13.45 next. Yeah, you go first, go steal mine, so. Well, uh, you'll have to keep scrolling in that case because I'm not there yet. Mine is clearly not at the top this time, but there it is. Banking on Kubernetes the hard way in production. Hmm. Um, Miles and and, uh, Suhail from Monzo Bank. I don't, I think we have mentioned Monzo before on the podcast and if for anyone that hasn't um, that hasn't uh, listened to that episode you if you want to go and look at what a really good detailed um, kind of post-mortem slash outage report looks like and um, you know how they remediated how they found the issue how they remediated it you know, how they're dealing with you know, f- potential future occurrences of it. Monzo, the, that, their tech blogs are legendary for that. And you should absolutely go and check them out if you're interested in this space. And really, I'm hoping that that level of like, amazing transparency and detail is something that uh, you know follows through to their, uh, their KubeCon session. And given that... Both of them are platform engineers at Monzo Bank. I think there's a very, very good chance of that. So, yeah, I, I think this this session could be awesome. Okay. Sounds good. You didn't steal mine this time because I want failure stories. A bit of the same thing, maybe, but uh, mm-hmm. again, failure stories, uh, experience uh, sharing. I don't know the people who do it. Uh, it's a German-based uh, bar. Uh, yeah, but one-on-one, uh, they're also pretty. I've seen some stuff from them, which has been pretty good. So, yeah, I would say that's probably a good choice. And again, failure stories. And it says on-premise bare metal world. I don't really that makes much of a difference because if you're a VM mm-hmm. or bare metal, I think cloud is more complicated, not less complicated on a Kubernetes environment, unless you use one of the SaaS layers of the cloud providers. So I think that should be yep. interesting. And you'll have to see, I can't, can I mouse over that? Yes, it does have IP tables and DNS there as well. So you're covered too. Indeed, indeed. So, um, before we continue, do we do we continue or do we pause this for today and come back tomorrow? Uh, how far are we in now? Forty nine, uh, almost thirty minutes past. Um, I think we should continue this on a next session. That's maybe not a bad idea, because we do try to maintain our 30-minute episodes, and Dave is very diligent in reining in the reins. No, that's not a thing how you say it, but let's call it that anyway. So, yeah, maybe let's uh, put a pin in it here and pick it up next week. Sounds Um, good. Unless you have anything else to add, and please do, so I can actually find a little page that has our exit notes. (laughs) 
I don't think I do. I've, I have, uh, I really enjoyed going through the agenda, um, even just doing the prep for this. Uh, I'm always amazed, like this is, I don't know how many KubeCons I've been to now, quite a few KubeCons now over the years. And I'm always amazed with the breadth of sessions. Like we, we'll do a full sort of, uh, uh, a full commentary on, um, you know, our, our overarching thoughts at the end of the next episode. But I think like for now, I would just say really enjoyed going through the agenda. I think there's some very, very strong sessions and uh, looking forward to the event. Yeah, same here. But until next time, this is all the time we have for this day. You can support this podcast. You can become a patron. Every contribution helps. If you're on YouTube, you can like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Do all the YouTube stuff that Dave likes so much, and I'm starting I to do. like it too. I really do. You can go to www.roaringelf.org. You can find a link to the Patreon page there, more information about the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter using the @roaringelfant tag. Yes, and you can send feedback to podcast at roaringelfant.org. Until next time, my name is uh, well, virtual John apparently, and my name is Booth Babe Dave. Oh God, that's one image I have to wash out of my mind. But we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then.